Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Today's Bible reading is James chapter 5. But before I begin, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are baskets in the aisles that have Bibles in them. Please feel free to take one of those and to keep it if you don't own any Bibles. In those Bibles within the aisles, this passage is on page 568. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you, and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Thank you, Nathan. Good morning, everyone. 
Always great to be here. So today we're looking at James chapter 5. As we've said previously, uh, these chapters are two full. We're not going to cover every single detail in these chapters, but just look at the, the big picture, the, you know, the, the highlights, the main themes. And so today I'm going to cover three main themes, and they will be priorities, perseverance, and prayer. Hopefully you'll cover all the other details uh, in your own quiet time or you know, in, in your small MCG groups. But so priorities, perseverance and prayer. So I ask you all today, make it a priority to persevere with me until we get to prayer, and I'd really appreciate that. So verse 1 of chapter 5 says, we start with a bang, don't we? Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. And the rest of the paragraph seems to accuse all wealthy people of uh, injustice and exploitation and greed. If you took this verse in isolation, with no context, you'd get the uh, impression that God hates all wealthy people. But I don't believe that's actually the case. The context, of course, for this verse is carried over from chapter 4 that we heard about last week, which told us to submit to God. And as Rowan explained for us, submitting to God makes means putting God as our, our highest, our ultimate, our supreme authority in our lives. That's what submitting to God means. Chapter 4 told us, submit to God and resist the devil. The chapter then went on, told us, not to, uh, told us to humble ourselves before God. Now, of course, if God is our ultimate authority, of course we will humble ourselves before God. That would be a natural uh, response. God, chapter 4 told us not to slander one another. And of course, if God is our ultimate authority and he tells us to love one another, of course we're not going to slander other people, are we? Because God is our ultimate authority, so why would we deliberately disobey and dishonor God? Then we were told not to boast about all the things that we want to do, but concentrate on doing good. And again, in the light of submission to God, of course we're not boasting about ourselves, we should only be boasting about God. So it all makes sense in the context of submission and priorities, chasing after wealth is pointless. Now wealth is not intrinsically evil. It's not sinful to be wealthy. But if you make anything at all, including wealth, if anything else at all becomes more important to you than God, then that is evil, that is a sinful, and that will cause problems. And if, if your own personal wealth becomes your ultimate authority, then you will end up doing those things described in the first paragraph because you will convince yourself the end justifies the means because you'll think a couple more bucks in my pocket while it's worth ripping them off and it's worth exploiting them and it's worth taking advantage of them because it's all about money in my pocket. Of course, if your ultimate authority is God, then you'll treat people the way God wants you to and you can still make money and still work hard and still accumulate wealth, but you can still maintain God as your ultimate authority while doing that. So that's what that verse is all about. We have to keep our priorities in order, and God should always be our highest priority. Submit to God and resist the devil. The devil is described in the Bible as a thief and a liar. And one tactic that thieves apparently use is distraction. Sometimes apparently a group of people will go into a, like a, maybe a retail store, and some of them will go over one side and they'll cause a distraction, maybe ask for help or cause a disturbance or something, and so while the focus of the staff is over there, one or two others just help themselves to what they want and head out the door. Obviously not something to um, practice at home. 
But, but that's what they do, d- distraction. And the devil tries to work on us the same way. If he can distract us and get us to focus on anything else, whether that's our wealth or our status or our fame or our popularity or our good looks, you know, that's my weakness, you know, or, or sport or politics or whatever it is, if the devil can distract us in any way at all off what should be our ultimate priority, then, then he wins. So what is really important, what we really need to focus on, is submitting to God, reading his word, and following Jesus. That should always be our highest priority. So ask yourself, in all seriousness, who or what do you submit to? Who or what is your ultimate authority, your highest priority? Is it your wealth? Is it your lifestyle, your fame and your popularity? Is it peer pressure? Is it a political party? See, if our opinions are influenced and shaped more by any of those things than they are by God's word, then really we're making those other things our ultimate authority and not God's word. Last year, you might have seen this, we had a very big public debate over an important social issue. Now, God's word is crystal clear on this subject. And for thousands of years, the vast majority of society have agreed with the Bible. And then society changed. And all of a sudden, people who previously had said one thing started saying the opposite thing. And all of a sudden, it was untrendy and unacceptable and you know, absolutely forbidden to hold the same opinion that everyone had always had previously, the Bible's opinion. So what changed? Did God change his mind? No, not at all. Society changed. And it seemed like a whole lot of church-going people followed society rather than standing true to God's word. So we need to constantly ask ourselves, are we following God and are we ultimately submitting to him as our absolute, ultimate authority or are we submitting to popular opinion or to peer pressure or just to our favourite political party? See, the things of earth will not last. They will fade away. And so... Let's always focus on the things that will last. I read about a guy in America who was just walking along the road on a windy day, uh, you know, beside the road, very busy road, and his hat blew off. And so he went onto the road to get his hat back, and he was hit by a truck and died. And you've got to ask yourself, mate, is the hat really that important? You know, Jesus himself said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And he might have also said to that man, what good does it do you to rescue your hat? and lose your life. When you see people who are rich in the things of this world, people who are wealthy, don't envy them. If they accumulate their wealth by ungodly means, then don't envy them at all. And sadly, some people do get away with bad behaviour. But when you see evil people, greedy people, lazy people, don't envy them, but grieve for them. All they get is 70 years of selfish ambition and then an eternity of regret and self-recrimination. So don't, don't envy them, pray for them, because they seriously need our love and our prayer. So priorities are important. We all need to submit to God, and when God calls us, we need to respond. Has anyone ever heard of a guy called Gary Kildall? No, neither had I until I was researching for this. In 1973, Gary Kildall wrote the first popular operating system for personal computers. 
And then in 1980, some people from IBM approached him. And they wanted to have a meeting and work together. And a meeting, they set the date, made the time, it was all set. And then on the day, Mr Kildall, well, he couldn't really be bothered. He decided to go and fly his new private plane instead. And so the frustrated people from IBM, disappointed, they crossed his name off their list and they turned to their second choice, a man called Bill Gates. So Gary Kildall missed the opportunity of a lifetime because his priorities were different. And when God calls us to follow him, that is the by far the greatest opportunity we will ever have in our lifetime. And what could possibly be more important than that? So always keep your priorities in order and put God first in everything. The second key theme from this passage is perseverance. Uh, James 5 verse 7 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Now I'm not sure about you, but when I look around at the world today, my natural thought is, come Lord Jesus, you know, get this over with, this is a mess, let me out of here. But verse 7 tells us to be patient as we wait. And then verse 11 says, blessed are those who persevere. Henry Dempsey was an airline pilot and he was on a flight one day. Uh, him and his first officer, Henry Dempsey, was the captain and uh, they were told there was a, a suspicious or an unusual noise down the back of the cabin. So Henry Dempsey handed over the controls to his first officer and he went down the back to investigate. Uh, as he got just near the back, they hit an air pocket and he was thrown against the cargo door and he very quickly discovered uh, where the noise was coming from because the cargo door hadn't been secured properly and it burst open and Henry Dempsey was sucked out of the aircraft. The uh, first officer um, saw the, the warning light come on straight away that the rear, car door, rear cargo door was open. So uh, he immediately you know, radioed air traffic control and said we need to make an emergency landing and that was all arranged and they landed the plane safely. To their surprise and great delight, when they landed the plane, they found Henry Dempsey still clinging on to the ladder at the back of the aircraft. Somehow, as the door opened and he sucked out, he managed to cling onto this ladder and for 10 minutes while this aircraft flew at you know, more than 300 kilometres an hour and landed you know, with his head six inches from the ground, he had managed to cling on all that time. It took emergency servicemen several minutes to prise his fingers off the ladder because he was hanging on so tightly and so determinedly, as you can imagine. And it makes me wonder, is our commitment to God as strong as his commitment was to holding on to that ladder? Do we persevere through the toughest of circumstances or do we just let go when the going gets tough? The Bible tells us to persevere to stay, stay strong in the faith. Don't lose heart or be distracted. Now, times may get tough for us um, right now. Um, well, they've been tough for God's people throughout history. Right now, churches in China are being closed down and people are being sent to prison simply for attending church. In the Middle East and in North and Central Africa, Christians are being attacked and killed and uh, raped and having their houses burned down just because they're Christian. We may not hear about this in the media, but you know, they are quite rightly uh, concerned about what happened in Christchurch, but mass murder should never be ignored or accepted or condoned, whoever and wherever it is. But remember, our enemy is not these people, our enemy is the devil, so we should not be surprised. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. 
So most of us, I'm imagining you're thinking, yes, that's me, I've had trouble in my life. If you've never had trouble in your life, then uh, stand by. You won't miss out. You know, God treats everyone fairly. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure your, your turn will come. But in this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus. And then he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So don't pray for an easy life. Pray for endurance. Pray for patience and the strength to persevere. Pray for the joy of the Lord, as we sang about earlier, even in the time of troubles. And keep your eyes on the prize. Now, I enjoy watching sport. Um, I've been very blessed being a Hawthorne fan and an Australian cricket fan. I've had a few disappointments, but a lot of great joys um, along the way in my sport watching. But I also like watching the Olympic Games when they're on, especially the running races. You know, the 100-metre sprint is always... Um, awesome, but it's over, you know, 9.5 seconds kind of thing. But the long-distance running events, they really um, intrigue me and, and I enjoy them. But sometimes you see, like a guy, say the 1,500-metre race, he's in the home stretch, he's, and, he, and he just looks over his shoulder to see if anyone's there, and someone else passes him on the other side. And sometimes it costs a guy a gold medal or a medal just because he took his eyes off the prize just for a second. Well, mate, the finish line's there. Focus, run your gizzards out till you get there. And that's what it's like for us in the Christian life. Don't, don't be distracted. Keep our focus and persevere. We need to focus and persevere and keep our eyes on Jesus all the time. So James says, be patient until the Lord's coming. Which is just a little nice reminder for us that Jesus is coming back, that the troubles of this world won't last forever. Better days are coming. Jesus will come back. So keep your eyes and your focus on Jesus. So we prioritise Jesus and we persevere in following Jesus. And the third major theme in chapter 5 is prayer. Now, as you probably know, this is the last uh, week in the series on James. This is the last point of my sermon on James. This is the last day in this building for us for now. This is the last day here for Rowan and Christine Walker. But hopefully prayer is never the last thing that you think of. I made up a little proverb once, one of the proverbs of Dave. It hasn't been a big seller, but um, I did write a couple of proverbs, so I've gone too far. Um, <laughs> if all else fails, try prayer. So the world says if all else fails, try prayer. But I say try prayer before all else fails. Now, Nathan just did the Bible reading for us. Sneak previous always photo, didn't you? Nathan, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Nathan has high-functioning autism. Uh, when he was born, Trace and I could tell that he was uh, wired a bit different, and he was about four years old And when he was diagnosed, and it was a great day because then we knew we could understand and um, you know, early intervention is a great thing, and Nathan's doing really well uh, for himself. But because of uh, his high-functioning autism, Nathan was reading fluently before he'd even started school. And so his uh, vocabulary was a little bit, um, uh, you know, wider than, than some. And he read all sorts of things about reproductive organs that led to some embarrassing conversations when he got to school. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, anyway, one day when Nathan was four and James, my younger son, was three, I heard them talking. And James said to Nathan, how many days are in a week? And I could see Nathan thinking, his mind ticking over, and Nathan said, there's a whole plethora of them, actually. Which, if you can imagine a four-year-old saying that, it was, um... anyway, as we know, 
there are seven days in a week, and another saying is that seven days without prayer makes one weak. So prayer is important. I'm talking about prayer today not only because it's included in the passage, but because it's so relevant for all of us. In chapter one of the series, Luke talked about troubles, but you know only one or two of us have ever had troubles. In chapter two, Graham Dunkley talked about showing favoritism, but of course, none of us would ever do that. In chapter three, Luke talked about controlling the tongue, but I'm sure there's no one here who's ever had an issue with that. Last week, Rowan talked about submitting to God, but that was for other people, not really for us. Now, I'm being sarcastic, of course. We all need to be reminded of all of those things, and we all need to pray. When should we pray? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray constantly, or pray without ceasing. The book of James tells us to pray when we're in trouble. It tells us to pray when we're happy, or, or, and praise God when we're happy. It tells us to pray when we're sick, Tells us to pray when we need wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but that covers most days, I reckon. Um, so we should pray. And if you've never been sick or happy or in trouble or needing wisdom, verse 16 tells us to pray when you have sinned. So bad luck, you have to pray anyway. So we should all pray. We should pray for each other. We should pray for our governments and our leaders. Now, we don't talk about politics very much uh, here. Uh, we don't want to offend anyone or upset anyone, but it is an important topic, and there is an election coming up, so let me just talk just for a minute about politics. My own personal prayer in recent times, I've prayed that a new political party would rise up that was genuinely Christian, a party that an evangelical, Bible-believing, practicing Christian party, a party that based their principles on God's word, a party that would prioritise it with conviction and persevere in their policies and despite the hatred and the uh, opposition that they would no doubt face, a party that would be genuinely Christian. That was my prayer. That was my own idea for a solution to uh, our current political system. But this week I was reminded and I was challenged that we should pray for our political leaders. I know some people would pray that, you know, they catch Ebola and die a slow and horrible death. <laughs> um, but sadly, that's actually the direct opposite of what Christians should be doing. We need to pray for them. Now, Scott Morrison is a, a professing Christian. We need to pray for him. Pray that he will be the strong and bold Christian leader that this nation needs. And we also need to pray for Dan Andrews, our Premier, and Bill Shorten, who would like to be the Prime Minister. Imagine the difference it would make if those two men submitted their lives to God and made God the ultimate authority of their life. Imagine the difference it would make to their parties and to our nation. It might seem unlikely. You know, we might think their hearts are hardened to, towards God, but we don't know them personally. And we do know that with God all things are possible. So let's pray for them and pray for our country. And pray as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now some people want to silence that prayer, so we need to pray it even more often and more fervently. We need to pray for revival. Pray that people will turn their hearts back to God. Pray that people will take Jesus seriously and obey his teachings and actually love one another. 
Even if you do have a different opinion, still love one another. The, the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus specifies that your neighbour is someone who is different than us. And in, in the case of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritans and the Jews, they were the same colour and they spoke the same language. The biggest difference was a different opinion in where they should worship. But nowadays it seems like a different opinion is almost an unfor- unforgivable sin. So let's pray that people seriously follow Jesus' commandments. It might seem far-fetched praying for some political leaders, but the Old Testament shows us, you know, Judges 2 describes this cycle of uh, a new generation grew up who didn't know or believe in God and didn't honour his commandments. And then society, you know, declines and then they, you know, they suffer the consequences of their own actions and then people cry out to God and God has compassion and sends a leader who revives the nation and things are good again and then the cycle just repeats over and over through Judges and First and Second Kings and, and it's the same all through human history and right now you'd have to say we're in that downward slide. A new generation who don't know God, don't care about God, don't obey or follow or serve God and our nation will reap the consequences so we need to pray. We need to pray seriously that we turn it around. We need to pray for Christian leaders. I already had this Second Chronicles 7.14. It's one of my favourite verses. It was in my notes already, and then this morning I opened looked at Facebook and Taylor Williams shared it as the verse of the day. So fantastic. It's a great verse. And this verse, this is God speaking to his people in the Old Testament and the same things that James talks about. But humble yourself, pray, seek God first and above all else. And let God do the rest. My final point from verse 19, now from chapter 5, is from verse 19, which is about the truth. Now what is truth? We live in a, a pluralistic society uh, where you know, people say truth is a relative concept. Um, you know, what's true for you may not be true for me, blah, blah. When it comes to theology and eternity and all the important issues in life, Truth is truth, and it does not change. Can the resurrection be true for us, and reincarnation be true for someone else? Of course not. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It could never possibly happen. Truth is truth, and it does not change. And we cannot invent a truth to suit ourselves. I read once about a guy who went to see the doctor for a health check, and the doc said, how tall are you? And he said, oh, about six foot. And the doc said, how much do you weigh? And the guy said, oh, 65 kilo. And the doc said, anyway, so he measured him. He said, mate, you're five foot six and you weigh 90 kilos. Let's try your blood pressure. And he said, your blood pressure's sky high. And the man said, well, no kidding. Two minutes ago I walked in, I was tall and thin. Now I'm short and fat. What do you expect? <laughs> but we cannot invent the truth just to suit what we would like it to be. The truth is truth and it doesn't change. And... You know, as we probably all know, our media sells fake news. Anyone who's ever been involved in a news story, a major news story, will tell you that what was reported is never the whole truth and it's nearly always sort of slanted or twisted to suit a particular agenda. So there's only one truth that we can constantly rely on, and it's God's truth, God's word. When we submit to God, we make him our ultimate, highest authority. We serve him, we follow him, We obey him. We live our life according to his teachings, his commandments, and his book. So my message for you all today, don't wander from the truth. Make it your priority. Persevere in it and pray always, and that will change your life.
Let's all pray. Our Father God, we are so blessed to be your children, that you have called us by name, that we're here in this place, that we have access to your word, and uh, we just want to acknowledge that we are blessed and privileged. We pray for the rest of our nation, we pray for people all around the world, that they will hear your call, that they will, they will respond, and they will find for themselves the joy of the Lord, the peace and the strength that can only come from knowing the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless. God bless.